Mom, Mom, I really need to talk to you, Becky's 14-year-old son whispered as he woke her up one morning. Becky awoke out of her sleep and glanced at the clock. Her eyes focused on the numbers one, two, four. One twenty-four in the morning, she thought. What could my son possibly need to think about? Becky got out of bed and went out to the living room, where her son sat nervously with his laptop. Mom, I really messed up, he began. I went online and was looking at some bad pictures, and now I think the FBI wants me. He turned the laptop screen around to show her a screen that was filled with a giant announcement that the computer had been locked by the FBI. With a quivering lip, he asked, Mom, am I going to go to jail? It took everything Becky had to stifle her laughs as she reassured her son that he would not go to jail. She wondered if she should tell him the truth, but she also thought the lesson might be more effective if he thought the FBI was actually looking for him. Becky told me this story as I worked to remove the ransomware that her son had allowed on the laptop. She had intentionally waited a couple of weeks to get it fixed, and she told me about the changes she would be making once the laptop was clean. With the ransomware gone, she would put an internet filter on the computer, and the laptop would also be placed in her bedroom after a certain time each night. Unfortunately, Internet porn isn't even the biggest danger for kids online these days. Finding future victims for human trafficking has also gone virtual. And it's even easier because a 30-year-old man can claim to be a 14-year-old girl. Add in stalking, cyberbullying, and a myriad of other threats, and you begin to realize that your kids face serious danger online. However, you don't have to give up as a parent. You can help keep your children safe online. Today, we're going to move beyond helping you stay safe and discuss how you can help your kids stay safe online. Helping you stay safe in a connected world. This is Cybersecurity Made Personal. Welcome back to the Cybersecurity Made Personal podcast, the safest podcast on the internet. According to a 2016 report by the Center for Cyber Safety and Education, 40% of children 4th through 8th grade have communicated with a stranger online in some form. Of those, 53% admitted they revealed their phone number, 6% revealed their home address, and 15% discussed meeting that stranger in person. Despite this, a study by the security company AVG revealed that only 43% of parents talk to their kids regularly about their online activity. So despite the increasingly digital life that our kids are now living, discussing how to live that life safely is a regular topic of conversation in less than half of American households. So how can you keep your little ones safe when they go online? 
Here are six steps. The first and probably most important step is to keep open communication with your kids. Remind them of good security and privacy practices and encourage them to tell you when someone they don't know contacts them online. Regular communication will help you identify what your children have been doing online even without any of the other tips that I'll mention later. It's important to review these principles on a regular basis. In the workplace, many companies are beginning to realize that the idea of holding a security review once per year is nowhere near enough training for their employees. And these companies are working with adults, not children. With children, it's even more important to remind them of good practices on a regular basis. However, even when you have good communication with your kids, you don't want your kids to hide things from you. That's why you should follow up by monitoring their activity. In most cases, telling your kids that you'll be monitoring what they're doing is better than doing it without their knowledge. It will help with the communication when your kids know that you're monitoring them and why, and it will also prevent feelings of distrust that could occur if your kids find out you've been doing it without their knowledge. One place you should check is the browser history. You want to make sure that you know what sites your child is visiting. You don't want to be surprised to find out that your child was using an app that you didn't even know existed. However, do be aware that the history in the browser can be deleted or modified. Another place to look is your child's social media accounts. While social media is great for keeping up with family and friends, it's also a paradise for kidnappers and pedophiles. Private messaging gives these people the ability to interact directly with your children, and it also allows them to mask their identity. They could pretend to be younger than they actually are. The 12-year-old boy your daughter thought she was sneaking out with could actually be a 45-year-old predator or a human trafficker. Keep an eye out for new social networking apps as well. They can pop up and gain popularity among the youth before you've even had a chance to hear about them. We'll talk more about how you can protect your kids from these apps later in the episode. One of the best things you can do is to get on these social apps and use them. Get to know what features the app offers so that you can talk to your kids about how to use the app safely. Monitoring social media apps isn't just about making sure that your child isn't communicating with people they don't know. It can also be about watching out for signs of cyberbullying. Bullying in schools has always been a problem, but it has become a much larger problem now that kids can hide behind the relative anonymity they get on social media. While schools have worked to educate kids on bullying and cyberbullying, it is still happening at an alarming frequency, and only a small percentage of it is reported to anyone. Bullying is behind many mental health issues in children today, and in some cases, it can lead to suicide or other harmful activities. Many children are afraid to report bullying, so without monitoring your child's activities, it can quickly lead to harm or death before you even know about it. As the third step, 
You'll also want to make sure you use the right security software and tools. First, you want to make sure that all of your kids' devices have security software installed. Security software does more than just scan all of your files for infection. It also helps keep the bad guys from getting in. Another thing you may want to do is to have your child cover the camera when not using it. This could be as simple as putting a post-it note or a small piece of opaque tape over the camera, or you could purchase a small slider that can move back and forth as needed. This prevents someone from using the camera to spy on your child. If you're concerned that your kids are hiding their online activity from you, you can also install monitoring software on the computer. There's a variety of different programs you can use for parental monitoring. Many of these programs will do different things. Some will take screenshots of the screen at various intervals. Others will record all the websites your child visits. The best thing to do is to research which software will give you the information that you want to keep track of. A fourth way to keep your kids safe is to not give them administrator accounts on the devices. On a desktop or a laptop, an administrator has full rights to install software and make configuration changes. One great way to help make sure you know what your kids are up to is to make them come to you anytime they want to install something. If the computer is shared, this is even more important. You don't want your child to install something that will compromise the security of your device. Your child could download a program that looks harmless, but is actually full of malware. It's challenging enough to recognize malicious downloads as an adult, so it will be even more difficult to get your children to recognize the signs of malicious software, especially when it appears to be an app that your kid wants to download. Phones and tablets don't usually have the ability to have multiple accounts on the device but they do require identity verification before an app can be installed. If you set up your children with their own account, they can install any app without your permission. While a malicious app could certainly compromise your child's privacy, you also need to be concerned about your children charging money to a saved credit card. When you sign up with either the Google Play or the Apple App Store, you generally have to enter a credit card number that's used when you make purchases. Once the account is set up with a password, a fingerprint, or facial recognition, the purchase is approved using that method of verification. If you give your kids the password or use their fingerprint on the account, they can also make purchases using your credit card. In fact, the reason why some form of identity verification is required is that both Apple and Google were forced to settle lawsuits over purchases that were made by kids without the permission of the parents. Many games that offer in-app purchases are designed to be addicting so that you'll purchase upgrades on the fly. Even if you tell your kids not to make a purchase, they might do it without realizing that they're actually purchasing something. So beyond not giving your kids full access over the devices, you also need to set rules on how the devices can be used. These rules should cover when, where, and how long your kids can use 
a computer, a tablet, or a phone. Obviously, the majority of these rules are intended to control overuse of the devices for games and other non-essential activities. If your child is working on a major research paper for school, you may want to consider lifting these restrictions, provided that your child is actually doing research and writing. Some devices have these controls built into the software. For example, both iOS and Android offer robust parental controls to block websites and control the amount of time your child spends on the device. The device can also keep track of the amount of time your child spends using it and report that time back to you. Parental control software can also do this on devices that either don't come with built-in controls or don't have the features you want. You should also limit where in your house the kids can get on the internet. There's almost no reason for a younger kid to need to use the internet in the bedroom. Limit internet use to public places of the house only. Unfortunately, there's not an easy way to only allow access from certain rooms in the house unless you're able to limit the strength of the Wi-Fi signal to those rooms. While it's possible, it would be complicated to set up and maintain a system accurately. And finally, be on the lookout for changes in your child's behavior. If your child starts acting differently, pay attention. If he begins hiding out in his room, spending inordinate amounts of time on the phone, or suddenly finds a new group of friends, it might not be a sign that something's horribly wrong, but it's definitely a reason for concern. Changes in behavior or personality could be a sign that someone is preying on your child, your child is being bullied, or your child is engaging in other activity he or she doesn't want you to know about. Also, be aware of any gifts your child receives. A predator might give gifts to your children, but of course your child is going to be told to give a different story, such as that the item was obtained through a trade with a friend. Keep an eye out for new items that your child brings home. Keeping your kids safe has always required work. Even before the internet, parents needed to talk to their kids about the threats they could face, like kidnapping. But the internet has made it even easier for your children to access things you don't want and for other people to reach your children. Pedophiles can hide behind the anonymous cloak of a computer screen, acting like a young boy or girl until it's time to strike. Bullies can hide behind a keyboard, spitting out their venom to torture innocent children. And kids can discover plenty of sites that you don't want them to see, either inadvertently or intentionally. But when you maintain a good relationship with your children and put in a little bit of work, you can help protect them from the dangers that exist, both virtually and physically. It takes work, but in the end, it's well worth the effort. That's all for today. Thanks for listening, and be sure to come back next week when we will go in-depth on a topic that we've already mentioned a few times on this show, two-factor authentication. Until then, stay safe. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Cybersecurity Made Personal podcast. 
For more information on today's topic and a transcription of this episode, check out the show notes page, which is linked in the description. If you enjoyed the show, we would love it if you would subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. While you're there, we would also appreciate it if you could take the time to rate and review the show. It really does help us get noticed. Cybersecurity Made Personal is provided for educational purposes only. Please do not take any action on your computer, phone, or other device unless you fully understand what you are doing and the possible consequences. Visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash disclaimer for more information. Cybersecurity Made Personal is a production of Personal Cybersecurity, LLC. I'm Jim Herman. Thanks for listening, and stay safe.